I had this wedding ring, which you do not see on my finger right now. Every time I played basketball, I would take the ring off and put it on the side of the court. Nope. One day I'm walking away from basketball and then I look down at my hand. I'm like, huh, the ring's not there. Still to this day, never found it. Wow. I just decided with my wife's blessing not to wear a ring. One of the reasons guys wear rings is to let everyone know that they're off the market. Yeah. No need with me. I give off <laughs> zero vibe that I'm on the market. My wife's like, go to a bar, do whatever you want. I don't care if you're wearing a ring. Go to a speed dating thing. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. She's like, strip joint, doesn't matter. She's like, I'd rather you not rip somebody's face off in basketball just to prove your loyalty. She's the real MVP of that league. Here are Maggie and Perloff. What up, what up? Welcome to the show. Already in progress, 855-212-4CBS. We've got a lot on the table for you today. The neutral site, if indeed the league needs it for the AFC Championship game, has been determined to take place in Atlanta, Georgia. Mercedes-Benz Dome, right, Manny? I think so. I think I got that one right. Stadium. Pardon me. Dome is, uh, that's New Orleans. How dare I? That would be the uh, Super, that's the Caesars Superdome. Oh, man. Wrong on both fronts. Anyway, Atlanta (laughs) is the place. So if they need it, Atlanta is going to host, and the game, obviously, would be indoors, which I don't love, but I can understand why the NFL decided to do it. So we've got that on the table for you. We've got Derek Carr saying farewell to the Las Vegas Raiders fans. Two questions there. Where will Derek Carr play next season? And who will replace him in Las Vegas? For myself, I'll tell you, I think for next year in Vegas, it's going to be Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody with ties to Josh McDaniels. And as far as where Derek Carr plays, I think New Orleans Saints, maybe Tampa, something like that. And I do think the Jets are going to make a big push. What about the Dolphins? I don't know what to do with the Tua situation. Yeah. I'm, is his career over because of the concussions? I, I just don't – I don't know if it's too early to say. I think they get some veteran in there. I mean, you're right. It's obviously too early to say, but I don't think they can come in with a sort of Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson backup situation. I think they want someone closer to starting level. I don't know, maybe a Baker or somebody. Somebody with at least upside. But I don't really see that with uh, Teddy Two Gloves. By the way, uh, what are we hearing? What's the latest – on who's starting Sunday. I'm seeing Teddy Bridgewater is likely to go. Yeah, I'm seeing so a lot of that. So that makes me think, I was, I, I, in my head, I had gone to Skylar Thompson and meant I wasn't even going to watch that game. I can't watch another But Skylar Teddy Thompson. Bridgewater means you're back in now? I'm back in. Okay, good. I'm back in. <laughs> the NFL, they railed you back in. I'm back in, but I still have the Dolphins as one of my weakest playoff teams. Okay, in a minute, Perloff and I are going to rank our playoff teams 1-14, to 14, but let's get to Chip who's in South Carolina. Chip, you got a thought on Derek Carr? I do have a thought on Derek Carr. Share it with the class. What what about uh, Tennessee? You know what? Tennessee's an interesting one. They can get out of uh, Ryan Tannehill, and it's not that punitive to move on from his contract. And obviously the fact they had to bring Josh Dobbs into play two of the most important games of the season, including a de facto playoff game when you're in means they don't obviously have a lot of faith in Malik Willis right now. Yeah, that feels a bit lateral, though, to go from Ryan Tannehill to Derek Carr. Little Spider-Man meme, two (laughs) Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Wait, who's more Spider-Man? Is it Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill, or is it Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins? Oh, I think, or you could do Derek Carr and Jimmy G, because they're both on the market, and they're probably the exact same height and weight. I know, but Carr's (laughs) more durable throughout really? his career. Yeah, he only know. had that one injury where he missed the playing in the playoffs, right? He's never been hurt other than that? He had a back injury where he missed maybe two or three games 
maybe 2018, I think it was. But other than that, yeah, it's just okay. not in the leg injury. Yeah, not in the Garoppolo through. category. Garoppolo, if he makes it through a full season, you'd be like, hallelujah. Okay, but you have to admit, body type, they are pretty darn close. Wait, who was the other one you said? Kirk Cousins? Yeah. He's by the way, not much different than either of those guys. <laughs> They're all the same guy. <laughs> surprise, yeah. surprise. Eight five five. Three Spider Man. Yeah, three Spider Man. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. So you're welcome to weigh in. We are on CBS Sports Radio, coast to coast. We are on Sirius XM channel one fifty eight. We're on the absolutely positively free Odyssey app, which you can download anywhere. And we are streaming live on YouTube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. Get in the chat if you want to throw your ideas in there. We'll give them a go. By the way, Jimmy G is listed at 6'2", 225. Derek Carr, 6'3", 210. I don't believe that. You're telling me Jimmy G outweighs Derek Carr by 15 pounds? I mean, these are approximations. Yeah, it's got to be. Right. I mean, I, it could be hair product because Derek Carr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it could definitely be. And, you know, he has been eating Subway for his commercial. So, I don't know. They, they That's seem supposed very to be healthy, isn't it, Subway? What is, and I've been around Kirk Cousins, so you, yeah. how tall is he? What size is he? I know he's he's a very normal-sized person. Yeah, I think he's like 6'2". You think six he's 6'2"? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Most they, of these guys are a little, are bigger when you get around them. You're right, but <laughs> those three guys are quite similar in what they offer a team. All right, time to rank some playoff teams here. So Perloff and I have done this without telling each other who we've ranked where. So we're going to start from the bottom up here, and this is just best playoff teams. <laughs> the criteria was actually quite simple. All right, Perloff, what do you have? Okay, uh, we're going from the bottom. Yeah. My number 14 team, and I just want to make sure I have the right 14 teams. <laughs> uh, I I have to admit, I wrote this with Skylar Thompson in mind, but I have the Dolphins as the 14th team in the playoff field. Wow. The worst dead last? Yes. Because Is... they rule out Tua. Uh, okay, yeah. Wait, who do you have dead last? Number 14 on my list, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, but they're healthy. They are healthy, but if you're, I love Metcalf and I love Lockett. I love Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And Gino's story has been fantastic. Thank you for a little bit of music for this. I just, I feel like they're, the overall talent is probably the lowest. Compared to the, the same Dolphins with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, they were one and seven without Tua. You're saying well, the, that's, the, that's the, a better team? The Dolphins' defense is better. The than, Dolphins than cannot. The Seahawks' defense. Yeah, but I mean, the Dolphins can't beat anybody. They're one of the. If you take Tua out of that mix, they've been one of the worst teams in the league. Like, not even just the worst playoff team. Like, they'd be competing with the Texans and the Colts for the I number know, one pick. But they pick. did go down to, like, Skylar Thompson, who could, like, just barely get the ball. They have some of the best playmakers. And Teron Armstead, what do we know about him? Left tackle? Is he going to be okay? I don't know. But, I mean, I don't even know why you're, you're looking that closely. With Teddy Bridgewater, have they been dangerous at all? Well. Okay. All right. Well, we totally disagree with that. I don't even have Seattle coming for a while. Oh, good. Okay. I mean, I might actually. Well, actually, two. two I'm I'm probably going to take Seattle in the points. Just uh, spoiler alert. Seattle's got uh, Geno Smith has one of the best ratings in the league and DK Metcalf. I know, but they haven't been playing well lately. Uh, Okay. I go to my 13. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. And obviously, that's purely a function of the quarterback situation. Okay. Mine is the New York Giants. Okay. I mean, I do like some of the pieces they have on defense, and they've been a really scrappy team. They've been fun. But Jones, to me, like, let's see how he does in a playoff game. This is a guy who's, like, 
in a contract year who's playing fine. You know, he's playing well. He's not a great quarterback still, though, by any stretch. He's got an ability to move. He's got some... Well, that's basically it, you know, and he doesn't have receivers. Even if he can throw a a nice deep ball, he doesn't have a great wide receiver, you know, set at all. So to me, the Giants is 13. Okay, next is I have the Seahawks at 12. Uh, And uh, I'm just like you. I know they're 12, but this San Francisco game is a bit of a different animal. Yeah, I think they're live in this game. Yeah, I mean, they're not a distant. I, I, I feel like there's a big cutoff after the Ravens and Dolphins because backup quarterback, that's a huge factor. I think you can't even really judge the whole team if their guy isn't there. And now it seems to me Lamar is not going to be there. So that's why I have the Seahawks 12 and the Ravens 13. Okay, so I have the Ravens at 12. Okay. Yeah, for all well, those reasons. The defense is amazing. Yeah. The, uh, I think that I actually am going to make a case later for how they can pull off an upset against Cincinnati. It's going to be a really uphill climb. But if – you know, the defense is legit. And anytime you have a defense and you have the best kicker ever, and if you can make this a real slog fest wow. of a game, then wow. maybe you got a shot. Okay. Uh, I went to Justin Tucker. Yep. You're damn right. I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I got G man next uh, at 11. Obviously the stats on the giants. Uh, I don't have them in front of me, but they've what beaten two winning teams all season. They haven't beaten a winning team since before Halloween. They have just tripped into this insane Schedule. Insane. Almost unprecedented easy schedule. So they're very hard to evaluate. We just know when they play good teams, they generally lose. For me, number 11, that's where I have the Dolphins. Okay. I'm all, I'm scared of their skill position players. Like, I still think that they, if they just had a competent quarterback, and Bridgewater is more than competent. He's a good backup. I just think they're, he, if he can get the ball to their playmakers, if they can run the ball, like, this is still has, like, this is one of the most explosive offenses with Tua, if they can replicate any of that with one of these backups, then they're going to be super dangerous. And mm. I think the defense is better than people give them credit for. So that's where I'll put the Dolphins at 11. Who's number 10 for you? Okay, number 10. Now we're getting serious. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings. That's who I had to. Yeah. <laughs> and have you seen the DVOA number? Yes, that's an advanced metric that yeah. tries to basically tell you how good the team is. The overall value, and they're 27th out of 32 teams. Uh, so Football Outsiders, who has DVOA, has them among the bottom 10 teams. So the Vikings is just incredible. They're point, they have a negative point differential for a 13-4 team, which is unbelievable. And it's funny because the Vikings and Giants, the Giants also have a negative point yeah, differential. And the funny thing, too, they both, they're terrible first-half teams. They've, they've had these incredible fourth-quarter comebacks again and again and again. I feel like talking about Spider-Man, I mean, two things that are exactly the same. The Vikings and Giants, despite their records being a little different, have a lot in common, so I have them ranked right there. So here's a question. If we were a little bit more bullish on the Minnesota Vikings, couldn't you see us talking about their record, what, 11-0 and in one-score games, as a positive? Mm. You know? Like, wouldn't we call another team be like, no. look, no, it's like, look at they're winning all these close games. That sometimes can be looked at as a positive thing. I wouldn't think so. I think Super Bowl teams tend to blow out other teams. Don't I, I'd like to see an advanced metric on this. I think to win a Super Bowl, you have to be capable of winning a few 45-10 games. So, and the Vikings, ironically, have lost a few 45-10 games. Yeah, that's true. They have a couple of those. All right, next for me, and I think this this one I had the hardest time with. I did not know where to put this Number nine. Number nine, Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I know the defense is playing really well, but they're 9-8 and on the season. They came out of this AFC South. I feel like a really, really strong, you know, a Texas or California high school could have been 9-8 and in the AFC South. Come on. on. It's the AFC South. (laughs) They beat Josh Dobbs because they got a strip sack with four minutes left in the game, and they were losing the entire game. 
Their defense has been good, but only because they've been playing the AFC South. I just don't know what to do with them. Number nine for me is the Tampa Bay Bucks. They got the greatest okay. quarterback of all time, but the team around them, since when this is when have the Bucks been impressive to you? Except for Tom Brady in a two-minute drill to try to save the day. I mean, this is a team that, yeah, might be getting a little healthier on the offensive line, but they haven't been effective running the ball. The play calling has been suspect. Finally, Brady gets the ball to Mike Evans. It was like, were you guys in a coma? Why was he not being targeted more? And then he goes and it goes off for the three touchdowns in the last game. I guess they can carry that over. I think it's going to be close with Dallas, but that might have more to do with Dallas maybe putting down to the competition. And then the defense mm. just n- isn't nearly as good as it's been in Super Bowl seasons past. Yeah, they've been sandbagging this whole time. They're all going to yeah. come back healthy. They're going to throw to Mike Evans and... They don't call him regular season Lenny. They call him playoff Lenny, yeah. Maggie. You would you be shocked regular if regular season Lenny doesn't have a ring to it? Yeah. Would you be shocked if this was a different team then? And also Tom is gonna sit there and take hits galore. He's not gonna be dirting balls. He's just gonna stand back. I know you don't really want to do that against Dallas. They already beat Dallas. Uh, week one. Can everyone yeah. this that doesn't even count. Week one was so long but ago. But you could see that as this is a good kind of matchup. I think Tom is gonna leave it all out on the field. So I have them uh, higher. Uh, number eight. So I haven't even gotten the Bucks yet. My number eight team is the Chargers, right below the Jags. It's very similar. There's a reason that spread is so close. You know, talent. if we were just doing talent, I mean, I could make an argument for the Chargers, but there's so much more. Although their defense has been playing really, really well. I just feel like every time I watch their offense, it's never easy. Is anything ever easy no, for them? it looks so like difficult see, all the time. You have Justin Herbert, and you have Austin Eckler, and you have Mike Williams, and you have Keenan Allen. Why is it so hard to move the football? Well, wait, Manny's got an update. You might not have Mike Williams. Yeah, Mike Williams is questionable uh, because of his back injury for Saturday's playoff game versus the Jaguars. He did not practice the entire week. I mean, the guy's like walking into the locker room from that game like he was in such massive pain. Yep. Staley should have been fired for that. Um, well, I'll make this easy for you. For me, number eight was the Jags and seven was the Chargers. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, we're the, thinking the same. Yeah, these teams are so evenly matched. I mean, I'm just curious to see Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, first time in the postseason for both of these really highly touted quarterbacks. What does that look like? And um, I'm curious. Uh, with no Mike Williams, man, what so a wait. shame. All right, I'm up to number seven now. Should we take a break and finish this next segment? Because I I could tell you, we could stop at seven. Because I did Bucks here, and I look at this playoff field. The Bucks are the seventh best team in the NFL right now. That feels very wrong. <laughs> I don't know why, but and even your ranking was not that low either for a team that was barely above 500 in a terrible division. Why is it we both kind of have the Bucks not at the bottom? I know. Well, unfortunately, we cannot take a break and do the rest because... The Hall of Famer Emmett Smith is coming up next. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we cannot keep him waiting. Probably should have checked that before. Do you want to rip through the last little bit? Let's yeah, do I'm it. seven bucks. Who's your seven? Oh, you already just said seven. Seven was Chargers for me, so let's go to six. Six is the Dallas Cowboys. Same. I got the Dallas Cowboys yeah. at six also. Five 49ers. Ooh. I had five Buffalo. <laughs> you have wow. the 49ers at five? Uh, they the best defense in the entire league and some of the best skill position players, and they're five? Explain yeah. yourself. Well, I mean, the four teams ahead of them are better. 
That's that's why I I love the 49ers. I think they're really I think all five of these teams at the top have a great chance. But I mean the Bills at five is crazy. They talk about DVOA, they're number one by and not even by a small stretch. They're number one in DVOA by a long stretch, and they're number one in Super Bowl odds again, are they? Or the Chiefs? No, so. Chiefs are still number one, but but, but the Bills are right there. So here's the thing about Buffalo. Buffalo is you guys know, love them obviously, and I hope they do well, but the defense has the pass rush, how they have acquitted themselves nicely without Von Miller, but it's just not the same. And, you know, while it is a great feel-good story, and we're so thrilled that DeMar Hamlin is now home, there is, from the hospital, there is a reality that DeMar Hamlin was a backup. So now you're on your third string safety, and that is very difficult. Now, Micah Hyde came back to practice, Perloff. I don't, I don't know if this is a smokescreen or not. I can't imagine he's going to get into a game. But he is now back at practice, which is so crazy. you think you think the Buffalo Bills, if they play the 49ers in the Super Bowl, would be underdogs? I think it'd be close. Okay, They'd obviously be favored, Maggie. You know that. You're way too down on your own team. Well, let's rip through the, All right, number the top four, five. Number four for me is yeah. Eagles. That's why I have Philly at four as well. Number three, I have Cincy. Same. Uh, two, the Chiefs. And okay. one, the Bills. Oh, wow. Okay, so I had two San Francisco and one Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, listen, mine is... Closer to the Super Bowl odds because it's the Chiefs. I've seen now plus three fifty Chiefs, plus four hundred Bills. They're they're a cut above. They would dominate the NFC. <laughs> they would roll the NFC. Well, So is Cincinnati. By the way, I think Cincinnati would. And too. so is Cincinnati. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. But I give a lot of credit to the San Francisco 49ers. I I do. I think they're a great team. Now the Brock Purdy, like when is he going to turn into a pumpkin? I don't know if we're past that. Quite frankly, the guy's five and zero. Oh, He's thrown two picks. I mean, it's not like he he doesn't look like a seventh round rookie. Now, listen, he hasn't had to play from behind. He hasn't, you know, we haven't seen him in a dire situation, but so far he's passed every test. Yeah, the, the, and all he has to do is turn around and hand it to McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, and he's fine. As long no, as McCaffrey stays healthy. Yeah, I feel like the top five. It's hard. We didn't. I like all my five top five teams, don't you? I mean, I, I think that we're ranking them. But that doesn't mean there's a big difference between one and five for me. I, they're very close. I think they're all very close as well. All right, coming up, you heard me say it, the Hall of Famer, the NFL's all-time leading rusher, a three-time Super Bowl champion, and someone who personally tormented Perloff and myself for most of our lives, most of our childhood slash adolescence. Thank you. Emmett Smith is going to join us next. What does he have to say about the Dallas Cowboys offense and their woes? We'll hear it in just a moment. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. It is our pleasure now to be joined by a three-time Super Bowl champion, of course, a Hall of Famer. He's the NFL's all-time leading rusher. He really needs no introduction. It's the one and only Emmett Smith who's joining us on behalf of Bounty Paper Towels, partnering up to tackle saucy messes, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Emmett, I mean, we can't come on and just start talking pleasantries. We got to figure out what's going on with this Dallas Cowboys offense. What have you seen over the last couple weeks? Well, I, I've seen exactly what you guys have seen. I mean, we turned the ball over quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we've shown uh, we've shown 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 the ability not to be consistent um, offensively and execute on all cylinders. And so, that has been a concern, uh, and that should be a concern. Hopefully, this week <clears throat> we get some of those things ironed out. And we play well enough and not turn the ball over 
against Tampa Bay to give us a chance to advance to the next level. And then hopefully we can start building upon and gaining some type of momentum. All right, I mean, let's start assigning blame here for the late season struggles. You putting it on the players or are you putting it on the coaching staff? Well, I think it's a combination of both. But I think coaching staff have the ability to create the environment that they need to create for every team and all the players. The players have to do their part and, and, and go out and execute against whatever plays are called. But I think it's, in, it's incumbent upon the coaching staff to absolutely uh, get guys mentally, physically, and charged, mostly charged up, ready to go. Uh, when you finish in the season, and it is your goal as a team and as a head coach uh, to make sure that you finish the season strong, then you make sure that you create the environment for guys to go out there and get physically prepared. I mean, even if you have to make guys wear shoulder pads and helmets and and thud up and be physical in this last week of the season, you do what you have to do uh, to get them physically ready to go out and get them in the right mentality. If you take it easy, uh, then sometimes you go into the game with a lackadaisical attitude or lackadaisical focus, and you're not executing the way that you want to because you're just out there playing on sheer talent and you think that you're going to win off of sheer talent then someone like the Washington Commanders come in and hit you with a bunch of energy and you're not really physically or mentally or emotionally prepared to deal with that energy. And you think you could turn it on when you want to. We're That's talking not about- the case. That's not the case at the professional level. I'm sorry about that. We're talking with Emmett Smith. I'm so glad you brought this up because, of course, I was watching your very animated Instagram video during the Eagles game, Emmett, where you were fed up. You were frustrated. And that was a couple games ago. The Dallas Cowboys ended up winning that game, obviously. But you said the mental mistakes, the situational football, the play calling. You kind of put the whole organization on blast that day, and it has not been any better over the last couple of weeks. Perloff and I argue all the time about momentum. He's not a big believer in it. I'm more of an eye test person. I think it matters. Why do you think it matters? I think it's absolutely paramount. I mean, uh, it matters because it's important to to develop a level of trust within your own uh, team. I mean, your team got to be able to trust that, okay, we're going to go out. I know I can count on my guys to – to perform. I've never had to question whether or not Michael Irvin's going to have a bad day. Never had to question whether or not Troy Aikman's going to have a bad day. Um, and if they did, it wasn't that often. And they they got over it fairly quickly, and we got back on the on, on the winning winning side of the the equation. But it's been twenty years. <laughs> the Cowboys have done it. twenty years. It's been twenty years since we won a road game in the playoffs. Twenty years, ninety two. So. If you want to be that team to change the trajectory of what the last 20 years has presented, then it requires a different level of focus and a different level of commitment. And that goes from the head coaches all the way down to the players, including ownership and organization. You got to do things differently and you got to expect something different than what you've been getting. And that has to be, uh, has to be at the forefront of everybody's mind. I ain't talking about pressure. I'm just talking about the way that we approach everything and the way we uh, go about our business. And I don't care if you're playing against the Washington Commanders, who's not going to be in the playoffs. I don't care if you're playing against the, the Eagles, who are, who was leading the division. You have to take care of your business. And if you take care of your business, nine times out of ten, you're going to go out there competitive. And then from that point, 
anything can happen. And with our talent on our team, if we play competitive football, we're going to win games. Talking to Hall of Famer Emmett Smith. So speaking of momentum, I'm so confused by Dak Prescott's season. He came back from the injury, and the Cowboys' offense was really humming, and now he's fallen off late in the season. Uh, can can you figure out why he's throwing all these picks now? Uh, a lot of them look like they were, they were somewhat forced, or in some cases, uh, a tip ball here and 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 another player to make a play. Some of them you cannot always fault the quarterback for if a guy tips the ball hits him in the hand, or he bats the ball around and it's around in the air a couple of times, defenses are, are, are re- real close, and those should be picks. But the ones where you got guys stepping right in front of a ball and and you you know as a player you can see what things are, you know where your risk factors are, and you got to eliminate the risk factors, those are, some, those are things that Dak has to recognize. Um, and sometimes defense are baiting you into throwing that out route. And we're talking about the out route that he threw last week for the for the pick six. We talk about something that happened against Tennessee, and, and the guy picks a step right in front of him and picks it off. I'm not talking about the ones where the ball hit Dolan Schultz in the hand and he's batting around in the air and he's falling to the ground and the ball happened to fall right into the hands of the defensive back. Those are just different types of plays. So um, those things like that happen that may not be Dak Prescott's fault. But you also have to go back and ask yourself as the offensive coordinator, what am I doing to tip things off to the defense that this is coming? And Dak has to ask himself the same question. And when you start to look at the tape, you got to look at your formations, you got to look at your alignments, you got to look at what happened on the field, the coverage and everything else, whether the DB is playing inside or is he playing head up? Is he baiting me to throw this outside route? And if so, where does the ball need to be at? Those are things that players have to make adjustments for. And and I think we can get those things corrected. Emmett Smith is joining us on behalf of Bounty Paper Towels and NFL Legends tackling saucy messes, which we'll get to in just a moment. You know, Emmett, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of chatter around Mike McCarthy. I mean, basically since he arrived in Dallas almost. But, you know, there's a thought out there that perhaps he's coaching for his job on Monday night against the Bucks, but would you say it's McCarthy and maybe Kellen Moore, the play caller, should both be under scrutiny here? I think at this point, everyone should be under scrutiny. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a job and a responsibility to each other. Uh, McCarthy is obviously the head coach and is in charge of the staff that he has put together to to not only call defensive plays, special team calls, as well as offensive plays. Those coordinators of those respective positions are in charge of putting together the game plan and so forth. And as a head coach, um, he has the right to overturn certain things. And But when it comes down to making those tough decisions, whether we should punt the ball on our own 45-yard line or go for it on their 45-yard line, that, that falls on McCarthy and uh, to make those type of decisions. And sometimes I think we're leaning on analytics so much that the analytical data may say go for it here and there and so forth when you're losing momentum or you're giving the opposing team momentum or you have the the risk factor of taking uh, or getting more momentum. So I think it falls it's incumbent upon everybody to do their job and to do it 
with the best quality possible. And that means every player has to take on the responsibility of showing up every week and performing at their peak. That means they prepared all week. And every coach has to make sure that every player is ready to go. Now, and Emmett, if Mike McCarthy was fired, if the Cowboys lose to the Bucks, would you be surprised? Somewhat, after being 12-5, and five, yep. yes. Somewhat. I mean, the man, did, they did have a successful season. But there are things that, that could be eliminated to make the season even better if we just – just eliminate certain mistakes. And those mistakes can fall upon players. They can fall upon coaches. Kellen Moore can get, can reduce some of the, the trick plays and try to gimmick somebody to death <laughs> and, just, and just run 75 quality plays. Quality plays can be enough plays to earn first downs to where it gives you an opportunity to run 85 to 90 plays. Emmett, do you think this is a Super Bowl-quality roster? In Dallas? Yes, yes. I think that there's room for improvement upon the roster. There's areas that we can improve upon. Um, but I think we do have enough quality players on our team to be competitive, to get us to the NFC Championship game, and perhaps even win it. Now, does that mean that we will win it? No. We have to <laughs> play the game, and we have to be uh, – we have to eliminate – certain things and take advantage of the opportunities that we absolutely have. I always feel like I learned something when I talk to the Hall of Famer Emmett Smith. You're partnering with Bounty right now to tackle saucy messes. So tell us, Emmett, what's on the menu at the Smith House on Monday night when you're watching Dallas against Tampa? Well, it's going to be wings for sure. <laughs> it might be some might be some pizza, but it's going to be some wings. It's going to be something messy. I can promise you that. And where there is mess, where there's a mess, there's Bounty right there to help, help us pick it up. Matter of fact, all the turnovers we had over the last two weeks, we ought to send them some bounty down to the Cowboys. <laughs> Clean up the mess that we have right now. But for the most part, you cannot play the game of football without having some wings, and you cannot have wings without bounty. And, of course, you can get $3 back when you buy one bounty paper towel product and chicken wings in a sim- simple single transaction by submitting your receipt through IBOTTA. That offers valid through February 13th. Very cool. Okay, you mentioned, Emmett, you're, you're, you're keeping track of some of these numbers, right? You, you understand that the Cowboys haven't won a playoff game on the road in their last eight tries. Do you also know that Tom Brady's record against the Cowboys, are you familiar with that? He's probably undefeated. Seven and zero. What does that mean? Does that mean anything heading into this game or not? It means that we have an opportunity for him to go seven and one. It's about it's our time. Seven was a, seven is the number of completions, so we got to start anew. <laughs> Emmett Smith on behalf of on behalf of Bounty Paper Towels NFL Legends to tackle saucy messes. It's Emmett. It's Rob Gronkowski. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy Monday night, Emmett. Enjoy the entire playoffs, and hope to see you at the Super Bowl. Yes, ma'am. Look forward to it. Appreciate that. The Hall of Famer, the NFL's all-time leading rusher, the three-time Super Bowl champion, Emmett Smith, giving you some knowledge there. Yeah, I mean, listen, we could have used some bounty watching the Eagles-Cowboys in the 90s because my dad would throw drinks at the screen. <laughs> no. He, uh, Wait, but, uh, not Tom. Tom's not dr- throwing drinks at the, at the TV. Absolutely. I mean, you can relate to this, Maggie. Emmett Smith absolutely tortured my team way more than your team. Um, I beg to differ. No, no, no. I mean, you might have seen Emmett Smith two to three times a year, depending on the playoffs. But Emmett Smith 
completely dismantled the Buffalo Bills in two different Super Bowls. I had 10 years of watching <laughs> Emmitt Smith keep the Eagles out of the Super Bowl, single-handedly. This is like we get to fight over who Emmitt no, no, scarred no, 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 no. more. I mean, listen, they could have uh, – who is Emmitt's backup? Whoever he was, <laughs> if you go four people down the depth chart, they could have put that guy in the running back and still destroy the Bills. So <laughs> I'm not going to say that was on Aww. Emmett. We were actually close to beating the Cowboys. Yeah, definitely the Bills were not. Um, but, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that was some pointed criticism at the Cowboys as well. And we'll dive more into it as we continue on here on the Maggie and Perloff Show. So glad to have you with us. If you missed Emmett Smith or missed the beginning or any of that interview you can always download the maggie and perloff podcast of course we're on youtube.com slash cbs sports radio come check us out come hang in the chat we're back after this cbs sports update with rich ackerman we're back big thanks to emmett smith maggie it sounds like emmett might have an issue with the offensive side of the ball there in Dallas. I think it's safe to say he might have an issue with the play calling and and the execution. Yeah, I, I'm thinking the Cowboys tighten everything up. And honestly, whatever happened against Washington, I do not understand it. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to be having Dak Prescott throw 12-yard outs that are getting pick six. They just can't run that play, right? Well, as, right? Emmett, as Emmett said, you got to understand the defense is baiting you into this. Oh, and, come on. And he put some of those interceptions, not the ones that bounce off of Dalton Schultz's hands Whoa. or whatever, but he put those other, the out routes he's putting on Dak, he's saying you have to understand, and the play calling, you have to understand the defense wants you to do this. That's why they're so easy to step in front. There's two. Take it off. There's two. I watched it. I've been watching a lot of ESPN on Dak Prescott because that's all they talk about. It's their number <laughs> one topic. And they show this this video reel of his interceptions. Yeah. So there's that pick six against Washington, and there's one really bad one against either Indy or Tennessee. The rest of them, the receivers are the keystone cops. Either they drop the ball and hand it to the defense, <laughs> or they fall. There are about five where they fall down. And you know CeeDee Lamb is just running off into space, nowhere near. Dak's throwing to a spot, and CeeDee Lamb's 25 yards away from that spot. So it is way more complicated than this is all on Dak Prescott or Kellen Moore. Uh, it's more on Kellen Moore, I think, the offensive coordinator, because something's just going wrong there. I think you can point to Kellen Moore, but then... If it's going to be a problem with Moore, don't you have to put that on McCarthy? Because that's your person. I know that Kellen Moore was there before McCarthy got hired, so it wasn't like a hand-picked guy. Wow. As your friend Bart Scott would say, when things go well, it's Kellen Moore's a brilliant <laughs> offensive mind. Dan Quinn's a brilliant defensive mind. When things go wrong, it's Mike McCarthy. Yeah. So make your choice here. The buck stops with McCarthy. I, I just, I, but I. But do he think. doesn't get the credit when they go twelve and five. That you know, was because Dan Quinn is awesome. I know. I think that McCarthy got got credit for the record when Cooper Rush was in. Like, that's a head coach, right? Don't you have to give them credit when a backup quarterback comes in? The whole thing able to is win those games. The whole thing is a head coach. The whole thing's oh. got it. Uh, Which is why is he's coach. the one who might be on the hot seat. But, you, but this is Bart's take, not mine. I mean, he really said that he gave all these examples. When things go right, it's Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. When yeah. things go wrong, it's all McCarthy. I mean, Dan Quinn's interviewing out there, and their defense has fallen off a cliff the last month. That could be a problem, too. The one thing that will help them, though, is that it's not like Tampa's going to get out to a 14-point no. lead, you know, like before you blink an eye. Probably not. That offense, Byron left, which we're going to talk about play callers. I mean, that oh. has been a head-scratcher as well. And so, at least, like, I don't think you have to worry about this quick-strike Tampa yep. offense unless somehow the Brady-Mike Evans thing. By the way, if I'm Dan Quinn, all I do is cover Mike Evans on the long ball. Yeah. I mean, what else is scaring you on that except playoff landing? 
But Thank again, God. that being said, it is still, to me, that is by so far and away the most watchable game of the playoff weekend, even though it's Monday night. And there's only two or three games that I am really, really interested to see. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up because while there are a couple games this weekend where maybe the point spreads would lead you to believe that these games are going to be laughers and walkovers, I do not think that's the case. And in fact, I'm going to make the case for the three biggest underdogs this weekend what to win. Yeah, that's right, Manny. Hit the music. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> against the grain. I'm hijacking against the grain from Andrew Perloff so that I can make the case for three super wildcard weekend underdogs to come out victorious. Now, normally I'd be so mad at you hijacking my little segment here, but I'm so dying to know how you're going to make the case for two of these games <laughs> yeah. that I I just have to listen. Well, Please hit me. I, I've been sitting next to you for a year now, so I think I've got this down. I think I know how this goes. So here's against the grain on how these teams are going to pull off upsets. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Traveling to the San Francisco 49ers. Are you aware... The Kyle Shanahan's coaching record against Pete Carroll is a paltry four and eight. Carroll eats his lunch. Carroll's been in the playoffs about 11 years in a row. No, just the two of them heads to head. Right, right. right. I'm saying Carroll has a head to head winning record against everybody. He's been doing nothing but winning games since he got to Seattle. The guy's a genius. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but okay. (laughs) Not only is he scheming up the X's and O's. He's playing the mind game as well. He's on the radio talking up the San Francisco 49ers, and he keeps going back to, oh, they're on a 10-game winning streak, 10-game winning streak, trying to plant the seed of doubt like maybe their time is up. Manny pointed out before, a 90% chance of rain in Santa Clara. This game is going to get mucked up, and it's going to be closer than people think. Beating a division rival three times in the same season, it's so difficult. Mm. Seattle has a path here. Wait, I thought you said that Pete Carroll owned Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. So if he's going to beat him, uh, it's hard to beat you three times. That means that Shanahan just beat him in the last two matchups. So what happened to that advantage? Well, that was just this season. But before that, Carroll was owning Shanahan. Yeah, because he had Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner. But okay, go ahead. Let's move on to the Miami Dolphins against the Buffalo Bills. Now, here, okay, this is where you're going to have to go very against the grain. Would you believe it or not, Teddy Bridgewater is now in play to start. Teddy Bridgewater has started a playoff game back when he was the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. They played who? Seattle Seahawks. Want to know what Teddy Bridgewater did? Only complete 70% of his passes that day. Did they lose? Yes, they did lose, but that's neither here nor there. He played well in that game. He has playoff experience. Right now, unfortunately, DeMar Hamlin, we know, is not going to be playing. Have you ever heard of Dean Marlowe, Cam Lewis? These are the guys who are the backup to the backup to the backup. The Bills are thin at safety now. And the fact is Miami rushed for 188 yards when they met in week 15. And they can ride the ground game to keep this close. Oh, by the way, did you see the weather in Miami yesterday? It snowed in Miami. Did you hear me? It snowed in Miami. That was Mother Nature's way of giving Miami and the Dolphins a chance to practice in elements they might see in Buffalo. Which, by the way... High is going to be 30 in Buffalo on Sunday. 0% chance of precipitation. 
The, the team played very well in week 15 in Buffalo before it started to snow. The weather is not going to be a factor here. And yeah. finally. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a couple seconds here. So that means you're taking, you're definitely obviously taking the Dolphins to cover the spread. Moving on. To 13. The Baltimore it's a Ravens. 13 points. 13 points, Maggie. I know. It's a lot. Baltimore Ravens against the Cincinnati Bengals, nine-point underdog right now. But did anyone tell you that the entire right side of the line for the Cincinnati Bengals is completely banged up and out for this game? Lyle Collins, right tackle, gone. Alex Kappa, remember him? He won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Right guard, he's gone. If they struggle to protect and run block, pass protect for Joe Burrow, we could see another game where he's on his back eight times, maybe nine times. The defense for the Baltimore Ravens is absolutely ferocious. Did you know that in week 15, they held Cincinnati to 17, excuse me, week five, they held Cincinnati to 17 points. In week 18, week 18, this bad game they just played, 14 of Cincinnati's 27 points came off of takeaways, an interception in Ravens territory, and then a touchdown off of a strip sack. The offense was not exactly killing it against the Ravens that day. This is going to be a tighter game if Tyler Huntley is going to play. There's a path here. I just went against the grain. A path to win? These are paths to victory. To victory? Yes, Perloff. We're not playing this for our health. Uh, Well, you said a tighter game. So I was curious. This is how the upset happens. This is is the anatomy of the upset. Explain. So, how does this game log play out with the Baltimore and Cincinnati? Describe the game. Give me a final score kind of thing. The right guard and right tackle are out. Joe Burrow is under duress the entire game. Cannot get the ball to Jamar Chase. Okay. The offense becomes one dimensional, and the game becomes a super low scoring game. It comes down to McPherson or Tucker, whoever hits the longer field goal. So, aren't you a little worried about the fact that <laughs> that we're, we're desperately hoping for the backup Tyler Huntler Huntley to play, and the dude can barely throw a football because his shoulder's so banged up? There we go, run game. Let's go. Um, yeah. How, how do you think I did on against the grid? That's very good. It was very good, but I'm. But my the problem is, and I assume people are like this when I do it against the grid. My opinion is so strong that Buffalo is going to kill Miami, and the Bengals are going to beat the Ravens. I just almost like nothing you said could could. Break that seal. So like, I didn't make a good enough case. No, you made a you made a really no. It all sounded good, <laughs> but not, I ha- not realistic. It's just so. It's just the facts of it feel so unrealistic. You made really good points, and I totally understand what you mean. And some of them might have convinced me to think it's going to be an ugly, close, lower scoring game. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like a win by Miami would be such an unprecedented NFL miracle. It'd be an all timer. Be one, I mean, this is one of the biggest playoff spreads we've had in a long time. Oh, yeah. It'd be one of the greatest. I feel like, okay, and so here's the thing. I think the Miami game is out of touch. I think the Baltimore game is very unlikely. Seattle, San Francisco, that is where I was really feeling you. All right, maybe I convinced you there. Did I convince anyone else? 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up, the one injury that could blow up the entire playoffs. We get to that in just a moment. Don't move. <laughs> 